0: And this will just be audio, so don't don't worry. <laughs> you're all you're all fine. Um, and I, I, ever since I went camping in September and just had such a beautiful connection to the redwoods up north, I've been reading more and listening to TED talks and so forth about the the under underground communication. And I've been talking about it a lot in in my morning meditation and dharma talks. So this is nothing new, but. Um, this week, I listened to a wonderful interview with Brian Stevenson, and uh, I've been—I had also been uh, re- reading more about this concept of or this actuality of what Suzanne Simard, the forestry professor up in UBC, calls the mother trees. So I was thinking a lot about the the role of the mother trees in the forest, which I'll tell you a little more about. And then I heard this wonderful story in this interview with Brian. That that put it all together for me about what I wanted to talk to, to you about tonight, which is about elders and sangha. So um, Brian, as you probably know, is the founder of the Equal Justice Initiative, which is uh, working with death row prisoners for uh, exoneration. And he's written a beautiful book called Just Mercy that was made into a movie that's really beautiful, beautiful um book and he's an incredibly beautiful person he also started the legacy museum which subtitled from enslavement to mass incarceration which is down in i believe it's it's in alabama um and also the uh the uh lynching memorial so he was um being interviewed and he told this great story and it was when he was uh, getting all this starting so he was a little bit younger a few years ago and the characters in the story are are no longer living. So it had to be when they were living. But he was in Montgomery, he was working on his project and he'd become friends with Johnny Carr, who was an early civil rights worker along with Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King. And she was the chief architect of the Montgomery uh, bus boycott. And so every now and then she'd invite him over to listen to the other, I think it was mostly women, who would get together to talk about whatever they were gonna talk about, Rosa Parks being one of them. But the operative word was listen. Josephine would say, you know, come over, Brian. Do you wanna come over and listen? Rosa Parks has come by today. Do you wanna come listen? And she would emphasize the word listen. And she'd say, you know what I mean? He'd say, yeah, you want me to listen. I'm not supposed to say anything. So, um, so he came over and they sat on the porch And um, so I've got some quotes here, but maybe I'll just tell the story. So after he listened for a long time, Rosa Parks turned to Brian and asked him to explain his work. And he rambled a bit about the Equal Justice Initiative and fighting racial bias in the courts and trying to end the death penalty. And Rosa Parks, and this is Brian quoting in in an article, uh, Brian says, uh, Rosa Parks says, ooh, honey, all that's gonna make you tired, tired, tired. And then Johnny Carr leans in and raises a finger. And Brian says it was just how his grandmother used to talk to him. And he says, that's why you've got to be brave,
1: brave, brave.
0: And I just feel like that's what elders do. You know, they they drop these pearls of paradoxical wisdom. You know, they get complexity. You know, if, you, if you're lucky when you get older, you really begin to understand that the complexity of life. And they acu- They sort of download their accumulated life wisdom for us youngers. I mean, I myself am becoming an elder, so I'm really thinking about this a lot. And we are a slightly older Sangha, I think that's fair to say. So, um, so it was really this sense of these mother trees shedding something, shedding something in the direction of this young sprout, you know, that they wanted to nurture. And I, by the way, I, I was thinking about this that I was at a conference on conscious aging a few years ago, and someone made a real point of saying being an elder is different than just being old. You can be old, but not be an elder. To be an elder, you have to accumulate these qualities of wisdom, and humility, perspective, and a kind of generous gifting of your inner wealth toward the future. So people can grow old without being elders. And I think that makes sense when I think, I think we can all figure that out. So then we have these forest elders. And um, so Suzanne Simard has been studying the soil with her graduate students. And trying to really understand these neural networks under the ground that she says are very much like the neural networks of our, our bodies and our brains. And one of her research students found out that all the trees in, the, in a certain area they were studying were essentially linked together, not by root tendrils, but also by the mycelium and the fungus and the communications. The big old trees, obviously, would have bigger root systems overall. And so they would have more of these, what they call mycorrhizal networks, these fungus networks. So they've got more carbon that's flowing into that network. They've got more root tips. So they become kind of the hub of that area of the forest and all the other trees sort of tap into them. And she calls them mothers, she also calls them hub trees. So she says, this is quoting from an article she wrote, in connecting with all the trees of different ages, the mother trees can actually facilitate the growth of these understory seedlings. The seedlings will link into the network of the old trees and benefit from that huge uptake resource capacity. So they have this capacity to uptake and the old trees pass on a little bit of carbon and nutrients and water to the little seedlings at crucial times in their lives that actually help them survive. I love that at crucial times in their lives. I just think about my mom and I can just put like pearls on a string, these crucial times in my life where she just kind of said the right thing or came up with an idea and um, just, you know, just made all the difference. The other thing I found fascinating in this is that when a tree is dying, it takes a tree decades to die and all this energy that it's stored all its life energy where does it go it turns out that 40 percent of the carbon they start dumping their carbon when they're ill when they're dying 40 percent of the carbon goes right into the neighboring trees it's directed into specific trees and the rest just kind of goes into the general soil system so these old trees are really affecting the regenerative capacity of the new forest that's going to be going forward so that's what Rosa Parks and Johnny Carr were doing with um, Brian Stevenson, right? And that's what um, my my dad did with me. Human elders are very eager to dump their carbon, as you may have noticed. <laughs> my dad was a real talker, you know. And how many of us have sat, been sat down by a grandparent who who looked us in the eyes, as if to say, "Now hear me," and then they hold forth. And as a young person, maybe if you were like me, when it was my grandfather, I was twitching and, you know, like, oh, God, okay, I have to be polite and sight, you know, rolling my eyes without, you know, it showing. And that can be the experience of young seedlings for sure. Um, but now, like with my dad, uh, I didn't value it much. I, I didn't, I didn't value it very much. And now, oh, my God, you know, I just. Feel what he gave me, and my mom also, of um, both by by how they lived, but also their their words. And as they got older, knowing that their words were more important, you know, that they they had things to to leave behind, and they wanted to be be sure that that was given to us. The other thing I love about these mother trees is that it's when they when they are dying, they release all their sweetness. Suzanne Smart actually uses that word, sweetness. And I thought, my goodness, my dad, I may have said this before in this group, in his last weeks of life, even last months when he knew he was on his way out, his sweetness came out and he was not a sweet man that often. He had it, but it was not real visible a lot of the time. It came out with puppies and little children, which I think is probably typical of many men. <laughs> um, but his sweetness began to come out, his, his defenses and his barriers came down. And in the last days of his life, he didn't have the energy to pontificate anymore, thank heavens, but he would just come out with these little phrases little short, heartfelt things. And my sister, Debbie, who also died a few years ago, um, she wrote down some of the key things that he said, because they just touched us so much. And I made them, and she made little art pieces out of them. And then I made prayer flags out of them. So this is um, just a little, a little glimpse of my sisters and my <laughs> what we did with my dad's um, downloading of his carbon, you know, what the, the, the sweetness that he released. And just a couple of his little phrases he says take care of each other oh, This makes me cry you are you you've all been so wonderful bye bye you know, those weren't his last words but they were you know among the last and then he said um oh i love this one be sure to take mom sw- swimming right my mom was a water baby she swam up until into her 90s um out in the lake they lived on and um just with this last kind of Moments in life, he thought, be sure to keep that mom happy, you know, so lovely. And then there was this time when he could still sit up. And at the dining room table, it was about the last time we all had a meal together. And we always said, thank you. We always, what well, we called it, thank you, grace at the table. He was a minister, as I think a lot of you know. And he just channeled this really amazing final prayer out loud. He said, sometimes the chain is joined and we are grateful. Sometimes the chain is broken, and we are grateful for that as well. And we give thanks for the moments in between that are so precious, and we treasure them above all. This is what my sister did with that. So, Just for a moment, I'd love to invite you to think about elders in your life, if you wanna close your eyes and go inward or just look down and soften your eyes. But if you think of yourself and all of us in this forest of saplings and elders and in-betweens, maybe bring to mind a particular elder that you know now, you might not have known it then, was shedding their carbon was downloading their gifts to you to the ecosystem of the future yes picture if you can find someone their face there's any words that you remember what What is now a part of you, do you think, that they offered you by their actions, not just their words? And just enjoy breathing them into your heart, feeling their living presence in you. I hadn't thought of a song for tonight and wasn't sure I would sing but um as the trees as this as when I my talk came into focus for me I realized oh my gosh this song is about elders and trees what do you know so I'll sing a little bit of it for you some of you know it I won't be long for this world but I belong to this world Is it wrong to love this world when it won't be long till I'm gone from this world? My daddy's gone from this world. Every time I think of him, I'm just a little girl riding high on his shoulders and to this day I hear him say light someone's way we're here to help each other it won't be long I won't be long for this world but I belong if you want to sing along but I belong To this world, is it wrong to love? Is it wrong to love this world when it won't be long? When it won't be long till I'm gone from this world? My mama dwells beneath my skin. When I see her face, hear her voice. I'm whole again. I can't imagine a world where she is gone. But you'll see her smile inside my eyes. You'll hear her voice inside my song. I won't be long. I won't be long for this world. But I belong. Is it wrong, is it wrong, to love this world, when it won't be long till I'm gone from this world? There's a little more I might do later, but that's, yeah. So, you know, we all know, I think famously, the Buddha was asked by Ananda, um, after some discourse, he said, so it is so that the Sangha is half of the holy life. Am I right? And the Buddha says, oh no, not so Ananda. <laughs> the Sangha is the whole of the holy life, the entirety of the holy life. And he goes on to explain that without without the Sangha, we cannot we cannot walk the eightfold path. We cannot stay on it. We need each other to model it. We need each other to encourage us. Thich Nhat Han puts it even more kind of um, clearly. He says, "In his tradition, people say when a tiger leaves the mountain and goes to the lowland, it will be caught by humans and killed. When practitioners leave their sangha, they will abandon their practice after a few months." That's pretty pretty strong words. <laughs> Our individual practice depends on sangha maybe more than we realize. And Thich Nhat Hanh also said, and I really love this. He said that the next Buddha may well be the Sangha, and you know the idea that um, to survive, we are going to be needing to move toward a we society, not an I society. And um, <laughs> I heard a really lovely story just parenthetically, uh, where someone was giving a talk and he said, "What's the difference between illness and wellness?" And he put them on on a chalkboard: illness and wellness, and then he circled the I said the I, and then he circled the we for wellness and so there you there we go there we go so we humans really need to think like a forest these days um the forest is such a sangha Um, And just going back one more time to Suzanne Simard, um, she says to me, using the language of communication in talking about the underground ways that the trees feed and protect each other and warn each other of infestations coming. I've told you stories I think at other times about even the leaves send signals out when there's a beetle infection or something dangerous coming and the other trees pick it up down the way and begin creating the antibodies for it. It's just remarkable. She says, to me, using the language of communication makes sense because we were looking at not just resource transfers, which is a very scientific way of talking about the trees transferring resources, but things like defense signaling and kin recognition signaling. We as human beings can relate to this better if we can, and if we can relate to it, we're going to care about it more. And if we care about it more, then we're going to do a better job of stewarding our landscapes. Also, one of the reasons I think Suzanne Simard is so passionate about this work and look her up on TED talks has wonderful TED talks. Um, is that she developed breast cancer and um, in her as a researcher being a biologist just researcher, of course, she found out a lot about the med the um chemos that were being offered her and one of the ones that's very common cancer treatment is i can't think of the name right now but it comes from the yew tree and it's what the yew creates when it is under attack and it's um being you know d- disseminated whether the decimated by something or other so that i think this makes this research very personal to her so here we are the sangha of largely but not entirely elders and um Thank heavens for the saplings coming up too. It's such a rich exchange. Um, and I, when I, long ago, when I was with Thich Han, we were doing walking meditation, a large retreat, and he, in, he invited everybody to, we were going outdoors and it was a family retreat. He said, hold hands with someone and ideally an adult and a child hold hands and walk together. He says, the adult offers the child stability and strength as they walk. And the child offers buoyancy and delight. And it was just such a beautiful capturing of this mutual energy exchange, you know, between the mother tree and the saplings. And in our Sangha, you know, we have these ways of of showing our care for each other. We can all think of people in the Sangha who have shown care, who have downloaded some sweetness in a direction that it was needed. After our Sunday um, gatherings, we used to do it, I think we may still do. Is there any need in the community? Anybody needs something? And is there anybody who has something to offer? And sometimes people have said, you know, I have a uh, medical appointment, I could. I need a ride, or somebody says, I have a whole bunch of lemons in my backyard, I'd love to bring them to your house. And um, it's just this very tangible way of being sangha together. So, and dana, of course, is a, a very tangible way of offering back to the, the givers, be, being a, a receiver and a giver, and that reciprocity that we practice here with our financial dana, but also the ways people are volunteering, you know, and um, just feeding into the ecosystem, keeping the forest healthy, you know, every little tendril, every little moment of sweetness or um, strength that you bring is what makes us, you know, alive and makes our community viable. So it's a beautiful thing. So um, I have one last little reflection for you and then a little closing chorus of the song. So again, if you want to soften your eyes or lower them, take a moment to just visualize if you, if you can, if you can't, it's fine. Not everybody's a visualizer, but visualize this room right now, these little boxes as having tendrils that reach out to each other invisibly. And that as you you may feel alone in your room but feel your feet on the floor and just imagine that your sisters are sending strength, nourishment, sweetness through to you and you are sending yours out to them. Breathing in as well, you might imagine that our in-breaths and our out-breaths are trading oxygen and carbon dioxide. Or you might just picture yourself in a forest of women, all of us rooted, connected, communicating. And then this is a sort of a little extra question to drop into that field of connection, which is how has being in a Sangha these past months impacted you? We could have practiced each individually on our own. We could have listened to Dharma talks on Dharma Seed. We could have gone to anonymous online big sits and so forth. There's lots of ways to practice. So what has being in Sangha Made a difference. How's that made a difference for you in your practice. In your life. Just take a moment with that. Maybe we can send out through our root tendrils and our little fungal connections to each other and through our breath and our leaves communicating just send some gratitude some appreciation. For the we of this practice this time this community. The last verse of the song was written thinking of my partner, my lifelong partner, David. And here's where the trees really come in. You and me are tender friends. Two old trees grown together, bound by root and limb, battered by storms and blessed by laughter. One may fall, the other stand, still giving shade to the ones come after. I won't be long, I won't be long for this world, but I belong, but I belong to this world. Is it wrong to love this world? it won't be long till I'm gone from this world. Let's sing that one more time. I won't be long for this world, but I belong to this world. Is it wrong to love this world when it won't be long till I'm gone? It won't be long till I'm gone from this world. (coughs) So thank you so much for your beautiful attention. And (coughs) sorry, we have time. For lots of time actually I always think my talks are going to be too long and this just wasn't (laughs) It's because I cut a lot out. But and also I, I will say that um I feel like the last couple of Dharma talks i've done have been quite intense and. wide ranging and complex and the last one was really intense about codependence and interdependence, so I made a vow that I would do something that was simple and easeful. And I hope that I have accomplished my mission. So please, any sharing from you from your reflections if you'd like to say something about an elder in your life or what Sangha has meant to you, or just any comments about what came up for you in the talk?
1: Yeah, Jude. I love the um, illness and wellness, the, on the we. I don't remember <laughs> whether I'd heard it or not, but it was so important. And I think that for me at any rate, it's true, not just for illness of body, but illness of mind. Um, And I I had said, when we first came on, that my alarm went off because I really wanted to do this. And I was like dead asleep and I woke up really disoriented. It's like, is it morning? What's the alarm going off for? And then I realized, oh, it's Dharma talk. I don't, I really don't want to miss it. So, I'm glad that I came on and sangha kind of means everything to me because there's a way in which sometimes the path can feel a little too isolated. You know, we're heir to our own karma and going Mm -hmm. deep within. And there's a way I love the image of us all being in the forest together. I could see us being rooted trees and I I really like that. And so for me, Sangha is about, um, helps me be real and human, not just the connectedness in the sense of a family, you know, a spiritual family and a, and a home. And I feel like I belong more. I belong to this world more as a result of Sangha. But I also think that there's just a way where feels like it's bringing it all back home like when you talk about the elders and i thought about my mom it's like we come from places you know the ancestor we're not just spiritual beings you know heather talks about the relative and the absolute and sometimes it's too easy for me to float in the ether of the absolute and the no self and there's a way in which song helps me to root yeah, yeah.
2: thank
0: you all Thank you, Jude. Nancy?
2: I wanted to um, also just say something about the illness and the wellness and the combination of what being um, in Sangha means to me and the real world practice. And it's just such a funny experience that um, I was at a kind of a corporate event with my real estate buddies (laughs) and the amazing thing was that we had this same conversation Hmm. in um a real estate world Hmm. and we actually talked about the weeness and that the we and the illness that exact example was provided by the guest speaker and one of the things that i find about sangha is i used to feel that it was my place to go to escape what was going on in the real world so I could come and recharge. And what I noticed when I went to that event today is, oh, my gosh, even that world is talking about the weeness and being together. And an example would be we all come from these different walks of life and come together to share in our um. Broker actually brought everybody from different companies in to share their wisdom. And it was all about wisdom sharing and saging. And I just um, feel that we are so lucky to be in this time and to have this as witness that it this practice is expanding. And I'm so grateful to have the mirror, the reflection here to keep me on track and keep me hopeful.
0: Hmm. Did, um, Was it easy or difficult for anyone to access an elder that felt like a mother tree that you'd, you wanted to remember and draw close? Because I know people have mixed experiences with their parents and grandparents. Joni?
3: Um, I found it really difficult. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And until I started to think about people who were not related to me, right? um, uh, Buddhist teachers and rabbis and other people who've been very powerful um, mentors to me. And then then I felt a little better. But you know, honestly, when I think really hard about it, I think. I think the ocean, um, I think some forest experiences; those have been my elders. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So I think yeah. not so much people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah I haven't had that experience so much, but most definitely, the ocean and uh, certain forest. Experiences I've had.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good, good. I'm. I'm really glad you said that. And I'm. I wish I had said because I. I would have. I should have <laughs> said. It does not have to be a relative, and it doesn't even have to be a human, you know. But it's where. Where have we been nourished in that beautiful way <clears throat> of of generosity from a, a another force, you know, another force. Yeah. Um. Somebody else raised their hand. Was it you, Patty? Yeah. Yeah, when, when you first gave this uh,
4: suggestion to go in and find an elder, um, oh, it was hard for me because like Joni, I don't feel like I've received a lot of nourishment. Uh, definitely not for my parents or grandparents. And then there was a part of me that just went, well, let's just look. It's recent. And last night I bought a friend's soup who's, fighting two kinds of cancer and she's been a peer just a few years older than me but because she's fighting cancer she suddenly looks like an elder and then this morning I was bringing a a male friend for his doctor appointment he's also fighting cancer and he doesn't have any hair now and he suddenly looks like an elder and I realized last night and this morning I was just listening for their pearls Mm. And my friend that when she was getting radiation yesterday, she had to lie with her arms up like this for a long time. And she said, I learned surrender. This is surrender. Yeah. yeah. So she was encouraging me where, where I can surrender. And so it was just sweet and I realized, oh, they I do have elders in my life. And I was looking too hard. <laughs> right. Or too far away. <laughs> far back and too far away. And here it was just
0: here. Um, yeah. Uh, and I love what you said about, I, I suddenly really wanted to hear them, you know, like realizing these are precious people and none of us know how long we're gonna be here, but when someone is obviously ill, you know, we think about that, like, wow, this may not be forever, you know, and to really cherish the, those little words that might've just gone by mm-hmm. in situation. Yeah,
4: oh, thanks, Patty.. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, yeah. Oh, yes. Um, I thought it was only back when I was a senior in high school. And my parents had some good friends, and and Dr. Stamen, who was a psychiatrist, was one of them. And he was asking me, you know, what I was thinking about college and stuff like that. And I said, well, I really want to do something good for the world, and I really want to love what I'm doing. He said, reverse the order of those two things.
1: And it's like, oh, you know.
4: And I think I've done that, actually. You know, that's sort of been my
1: main thing, doing that first. (laughs)
0: Yeah oh thank you oh boy now see you just were a mother tree you just downloaded something really great for all of us <laughs> could you say that, <laughs> that that the two things again one is the first one was do I something said,
4: good. i said i what well, he said what do you think about doing with your life i said i really want to be good do something good in the world okay and i want to do something
0: that i love that you love. Just switch those around do that
4: yeah
0: yeah
4: oh. yeah,
0: <clears throat> yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you.
4: I hadn't thought of that until you asked. So, yeah. (laughs)
3: just wanted to say that um i really enjoyed the qigong i had to do it lying down with my legs up the wall but i did it anyway um and it was just so awesome to do it just the way i needed to do it and i'm um i'm just appreciative that um i felt that you made me you you always make me feel like i can do things the way i need to do them so just appreciate that
0: (laughs) I'm so glad. That's wonderful. I'd love to try that with my legs up the wall. I love that posture. <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, I, I am so glad to hear that. Yeah. Well, y'all can come back tomorrow morning for more Qigong. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I have so many. Um, Thank you, Charlene. I have so many new, new forms from the, the retreat I was on, so I've got Qigong to go for months now. That's <laughs> true. Oh, well, any last words before we dedicate the merit? Mm. It's been lovely being with you. And th- again, welcome. Is it Mary, Tanya? You're, yeah. you know, I'm so glad you could be with us tonight.
2: I am so happy to have been here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. I can share one thing real quick. We did a wonderful walk um from the berkeley art museum through campus along the creek right beautiful old oak trees and redwoods and oh it was so magical we really communicated and connected with the trees today in a in a really amazing way so if anyone has time to do that highly recommend that walk wow
0: Thanks for that. Thanks for that recommendation. That's very accessible to people around Berkeley and yeah. In Oakland. Yeah, there's also an incredible redwood grove up at the Botanical Garden, um, uh, the Berkeley Botanical Bar- Garden. And um, I spent some time there a couple of weeks ago. And it's it's manicured, but it's been it's well preserved. And I mean, really, it's amazing to live in a city where I, I drive 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And I'm in the middle of a redwood grove. I I treasure that. I'm so grateful. So yeah, I guess you know that's an urban practice in a way is to find the forest where we can, you know. And um, so well, thank you. It's been lovely hanging out with you tonight, and um, see you tomorrow morning. And let's dedicate the merit. with deep gratitude for all of the root systems that we draw on in our human lives, in our spirit lives, with dedication and a sense of the joy of giving, the joy of passing on our wealth, our wealth of sweetness and strength and wisdom and care. We gather now all of the goodness of this time together. All that has been said and felt and known and remembered. And we offer it up for the good of the world and all its beings. May our practice and our dedication and our love and our opening lotus hearts be a blessing to all beings and all of life. May we all and all beings be safe, be protected, be at ease, be happy, deeply happy, be at peace. May we all awaken and be free. Thank you much love,
2: be well. Thank you,
1: Betsy. Bye, you
2: Good, Good
1: too. night, everybody.
2: Good night. I thank you.